0: One of the greatest things about America is our music. It brings you and me together when nothing else can. I'm Matt Jolly, and on this episode of History Worth Saving, my friend, and now your friend, Newton Collier, shares his story of survival and the healing power of music. Everybody would know you. You were the trumpet player for Sam and Dave, weren't you? Soul man. That's correct, that was. You played Ed Sullivan, didn't you? Right, that that was in the
1: 60s. Oh, 69, We played uh, on the Ed Should Show. We played it twice at Sam
0: and Dave. That was an interesting gig all the way around. There's just something in Macon's water. It grows great music. Smack dab in the middle of Georgia, right along the banks of the Altmulgee River. It's the site of the first Christian baptism in America. Macon's been home to Little Richard, Otis Redding, James Brown, Jimi Hendrix learned to play the guitar there. The Allman Brothers Band, Cher even lived here for a while. So it really shouldn't surprise you, but Newt was inspired to play the trumpet at the age of 10 while hanging out with Sammy Davis Jr. Okay, my music career
1: started back when I was about 10 years old. And my mother wanted me to learn piano, but she was only teach me so much. She could play pretty good, and my aunt could play. But they gave me to a lady that was named Gladys Williams. She had have been the number one female orchestra leader and the most respected woman in the music business in Macon. This lady was playing out loud country club back in the 30s and 40s, and in the 50s, I said 55, the city of Macon at the City Auditorium gave her a unbelievable, big, big successful retirement and all that kind of party. They had all kinds of entertainers here for her. She was famous with uh, like people like Earth the Kit, Ruth Brown, she knew P- Pearl Bailey, and all these, all these different people just be coming to her house, Sammy Davis Jr. there's all kinds of stuff. Being. And I'd be, I was impressed, I said to myself, what did she do? <laughs> to uh, get this guy there, a clientele come and hanging out with her. And she was no-nonsense at the same time. She taught me classical piano. And while I was older, one day, Mr. Sammy Davis Jr. happened to come by, happened to be there, and I came by, and uh, he had, he, they were playing trumpet, and he was playing trumpet, and he was playing piano, and such like that, so he let me touch his trumpet, and I, so I got, got a feel for it, and I buzzed at one time, and said, hey, I like that, so. I bugged my mother about getting a trumpet for me. And so she went down to Up Music Center, talked to the manager down there, and I ended up with the Con Constellation trumpet. And uh, you could hear me coming down the street by myself in the middle of the day.
0: It was loud. When he grew up, he found himself playing the trumpet professionally. And then one day, he got the call. You know the call the one that every artist hopes to get While guess i get i get a call
1: from phil walden and they said that uh they wanted me to go to bell auditorium and play behind some guys named sam and dave i said who <laughs> they, said, <laughs> they said sam and dave i'd never heard of them and so i get that they, they had they, they had that record out but they had never hit nowhere but making georgia probably i went and played so they asked me that same night, would I like to go on the road with them? I told them, sure, no problem. That lasted for a, a number of years. So I i get on the road with Sam and Dave I ended up finding out now. I'm going to come back to Macon, Georgia, and now Otis is again. So all the time, Otis was behind me all the time. So I didn't know what was going on. He, he said something to me, how you like with that being with Sam and Dave? So we were fat like that. Yeah, I said, good man, good. He said, good, stay there. <laughs> and I did. I stayed with them 15 years.
0: <laughs> now, if you don't know Phil Walden, he's the man behind the music of Otis Redding, the Allman Brothers Band, too many others to mention. But when he called, you answered.
1: They had the largest booking agency in the South. They had uh, Percy Sledge, Joe Simon, get Wilson Pickett, Joe Tech, Otis Redding, Sam Day, Dave, Carl Thomas, William Bell, uh, Solomon Burke. You just name all these big artists think about 60 of them being booked out of one little place. So Macon got to be a mecca, because all the bands would come here to sign their contracts and work out of here. Also, they would bring the band in the town, and you had the clubs here to support that level. They had tons and tons of nightclubs up and down Poplar Street, right where we are. There was just a whole row of nightclubs on Cotton Avenue, the four or five clubs on Cotton, on Mulder Street. There was a couple of clubs right there you could play. And they also had making Recording Studio here, which was James Brown's studio, which was in the Grand Ole Opera House. building, the annex, it was called the Georgian Hotel. And uh, they would bring different artists into town. And some of them come in, they would go over there to that studio and lay down basic tracks
0: to different songs. Now, now, what was the studio right across the station from our TV station? I had always heard that was that, Cap, that was that, that, Capricorn. Capricorn. They came in the
1: seventies. I'm I'm still in the sixties. So, so you're talking about right behind. The old theater over right. here. It's the Grand Opera House. It's, it's on Mulberry Street, and it's in front of what was called Guy White, and it's also right next to, what is now an empty parking lot that contained the Georgian Hotel, which is next to the Grand New Grand New Opera House.
0: Wow, and that was James Brown's
1: studio. Yeah, that was called the James Brown Studio until they moved it in '72 or '73 to Millerfield Road, which is now. Is now part of Jones Huron Home. And the door that Daniel Brown used to write all his telephone numbers on is still in place at the Huron
0: Home. So Macon was doing great, Newt was doing great, his career was on top. But then, then it all changed.
1: I'm a victim of violent crime in Boston. I was actually coming home and I was actually driving, but some, something would I would get out the car and I would make my deposit. A car pulled up inside of me. And they, I think they caught me fire. I, I was paying no attention. That car had been following me, evidently. And they shot me right in the face, right through the, uh, right, right over the our uh, passenger side. The window was down, it was in the summer, and they hit me right inside the face. Now, they said the bullet ricocheted off the car seat, but either way, it was in my head, and right below my jaw, my right jaw. And we, but now I have an eye for the jaw. So I had to live in the hospital for a long time. This is in the process of me trying to help uh, some more guys, which went on to be LTD, play their instruments and everything. They left. It became a band, and I stayed there in the hospital. I found out I'm not gonna be able to play a trumpet as a trumpet no more because I have no uh control over my lips. And Mama said I told you to learn the piano. Well she did that and I, She definitely <laughs> told me that. And I I am I'm, I'm I'm a little small to carry a big heavy piano around. <laughs> I gotta worry. <laughs> so I um, I had a friend, Mike Matheny, I started to study some more music at Berklee College of Music. So I was talking to Mike Matheny, who's the brother of Pat Matheny, and they suggested that I try to go down to the MIT Media Lab. which I had been working at MIT. I never thought to go by there to see what they were doing. But they were working on an instrument, which they called a Lyricon. And they had me to blow through a tube. And as I was blowing through the tube, I was instantly hearing the sound that I was blowing coming out, and I said, what in the is this? And so they said, it's called the EVI. I said, what EVI? He said, electric valve instrument. I said, "Myself, very smart engineers to invent this and call it something, EVI. So that's, that's what I ended up with, uh, prototype EVI, which looked like a bug sprayer. The original one looked like it might have been the old Bugs Red that you might want to... But um, the one I have now is even closer to a kazoo. I hum, and it's, and it's a piece of metal, on the, like a piece of plastic on the end that picks up the vibration of what I hum. Instantaneously, turn that into sound, and that's, what it comes, that's the instrument I have now to play.
0: And are, and are you still playing? Are you, do you play with anybody around here anymore? Um,
1: yes and no. I'm a freelance musician when it comes to just playing, but nobody I know is hiring horns, so. Even with your resume, huh? Even with my resume, I get exactly zero, and I have to um, work on whatever I can get, and uh, if, I, if I hustle a job up, I hustle it up. If not, I have started to more be a promoter and help other young kids and introduce this horn to a new generation of kids. Because I can buy these little small kazoos and I go out and do plantations and these kids think I'm I'm Superman or something doing this. I have fun just hanging
0: out with the kids and stuff like that now. If you believe all the noise and stop listening to the music, it will get you down. But Newt's lesson, well, News lesson is one we can all learn from.
1: Music has a common denominator for racism. It's called people working together. You learn that the music is the soothing soul of a lot of things, for one thing. Music put a lot of people together. It put Otis Redding and Wayne Cochran together. That's a good combination put Booker T and the MGs together. That's another racial mixed group. Uh, It put Macon, Memphis, and Muscle Shoals in the same breath of a lot of musical people that cooperate everything together. And music was also the soul and the heart of the civil rights. Everybody
0: had a song. So turn off the noise and turn up the music. It's the making way. And there's a lot of music being made all over America. You just have to listen.
1: What do, what do you love about America? What I love about America is, I've, never, I've lived in a couple of other places, not for a long time, but I always said to myself, Georgia Dirt is my roots. And it must be the water, because I'm still drinking it, and I'm still rooting
0: Got some coffee mixed in with it this yeah, morning. Yeah, oh yes, yeah, so I must have my coffee along with it. <laughs> I I know you want to believe Newt about the power of music, but you just can't quite get there. So, so here's the proof. The final, the final story, the final proof. I don't know what you call a. What do you call a a, a group of a bunch of white hippie guys? Anyway, I don't, we'll call it a pack. A pack of white hippie dudes walk into a bar full of a bunch of black guys now i know you're thinking it's the start of a bad joke but it's not in fact this was grant's lounge in downtown macon georgia in the 1970s when when you uh when you saw the guys in the 70s come through here with their long hair and totally different style because you guys were buttoned up suits and ties and did you think well this isn't going to go anywhere What, what did you think back then i be honest with you, uh,
1: when I first saw the, them coming to town, I said, what? What? And so um, it was interesting. When the brothers came to town the first time, people would be in the shops. They'd, they'd be taking, waiting on customers all of a sudden, all the eyes and everybody. There goes them hippies. Look at how they dress. What is that he got around his neck? Is it living? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was all kinds of stuff going on like that. So they were not exactly the uh, most welcome people in town. But when they started going to the bank, they were welcome in as uh, regulars. It, it comes back
0: to that green stuff you were talking
1: about. Yeah, it's something about, something about green
0: money, yeah. raise down uh, barriers all of a and, and that was back in the day when they were, you know, Cher was here right. and, uh, and, and then I want to talk about Jimi Hendrix. You told me he learned to play guitar here when he was visiting.
1: It, that, he, somewhere over in Fort Hill, there was a lady named Miss Hall. He used to be with, he would come over and he would be seen at places like um, Sawyer's Lake, Clint Bradley's Club, the Two-Spot Club, and especially when Johnny Jenkins was playing and him and Johnny finally met and um, Johnny told me one time, he said, he remember, Johnny died in 2006. In 2000, well, early in 2006, I went to see him out on the north side. We kept talking about the same thing. He said, Yeah, man, I remember seeing that little kid running back and forth. And he finally missed. His name was Jimi Hendrix. But he was named Jimmy something else. I said, Jimmy Jam? He said, Yeah, Jimmy Jam. That was him. And he had a brother, a little young brother. I said, Yeah, he has a younger brother, Leon. Yeah, man, he used to come out there. Remember, you used to come out there and see us all the time. I said, Yeah, I remember that.
0: We didn't. We didn't talk about one of the favorite sons here, and that's little Richard.
1: Oh, did you ever have any run-ins with him? Well, I, was, I knew little Richard, but I was also younger. And making that had a lot to do with it. I couldn't run with that crowd because I wasn't old enough to run with. I was doing
0: good to hang with olders. So now that you're ready for a road trip, give Newt a call. And jokingly, I told him that he should start offering personal music history tours, just ride around with folks for an hour or two. But you know, the more I think about it, the more I think he really should. Who's still here? I mean, I know Carl is still here and a lot of the Reddings are still here. Who else do you run into that... Uh because I think this is so cool. You come to Macon, and uh, you run into guys like John Baker that played with Percy Sledge. Everybody's played with Percy Sledge, but he's oh, yeah. the jeweler here in town. Oh, yeah. You were the you were the guy that uh, that I got to know as a as a taxi driver, but also as a uh, as a musician here. There's so many neat people here. Who's still running around? Okay, we
1: have uh, Robert Coleman. He's still around. He played with James Brown. We have uh, Tony Bone, Anthony Dorsey. We call him Tony Bone. He was with Joe Tex and Paul McCartney. We have uh, Matt Brown, who used to play with a lot of the guys. He played with Tony Ball, he also played with the Air Force Band. We have John Lowder, he's a Saxophone player that played with the Act, the Bands Band. Um, it was like he, a bunch of people in different places. and You come through different times. A lot of them are actually leaving because of what's happening in making Now, you don't have the club system or the support. And so they have to go other places to uh, perform. I just thought about we have um, Harold here. His name we call him Hollywood. He's uh, been director for William Bell and a lot of the stacks artists now.
0: You know what? Back then you had WIBB, which was right. uh, which was played. I mean, Hamp Swain and all those guys. Right. So we have uh, we have Hamp Swain just
1: passed recently. Yeah. Lafayette Haynes, He's still he's the only one still with us out of that complete group now we have newcomers like big george three is uh, now shirley ellis and, and you said Lafayette was in here this morning, too. Right. He was here just as you would leave another guy who was having senior coffee together.
0: <laughs> senior coffee with some of the greatest musicians in the world, I mean, right here. Yes. It gets to, it gets to be like that. He, he, lives, he has a shop around the corner. <laughs> is, Grant's, is Grant's still going on? Uh, yes, Grant's is still going. Grant's is still going on. It ought to be a museum. I mean, that, that place is hallowed ground down there. It is. It, I mean,
1: that would be ideal for uh, making a little museum
0: That they could still
1: sell beer and booze. Right. Now that That's was, that, was, that, was that would help. That would help. That would help <laughs> to finance because museums have a hard time financially, and if you could open it up and um, actually make it a making music museum with the beer license, we <clears throat> be in business. Maybe you need to go do that for retirement, dude. Yeah, I, I, I might have to leave. Yeah, I have an
0: idea. <laughs> <laughs> got to get up here and go make some money. Where can people find you? Because they don't want to, you, you should set up a music tours business. There's your second business. <laughs> yes. How How can people find you, Newt?
1: Well, I'm available also. I'm on, online. You can Google me on Facebook. You can Google my name, Newton call you, or uh, you can find me on Facebook.
0: And for what? About fifty bucks, you'll drive people around town for an hour and show them all these sites, right? Right, I can do that. Very Maybe a hundred bucks. We'll see. If you want the, if you want the personalized tour, I can give you a very good tour. It <laughs> won't cost you no more than an hour of your time and a few greens. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, there you have it. Go get in touch with Newt and take a tour. But more importantly, turn down the noise and turn up the music. I'm Matt Jolly, and that's history worth saving. If you have a story idea, send it on over. And be sure to find more History Worth Saving at HistoryWorthSaving.com.